Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. My name is Joe Armstrong, and welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have the band Brother Son. The history of music is full of supergroups, which is when a group of artists who already have established careers decide to band together and form a new group. Sometimes they work. Led Zeppelin was comprised of some of England's top studio musicians from the late 1960s. And sometimes they don't, like the Los Angeles Lakers' talent-overloaded 2003-2004 team that failed to deliver a championship. And then there's the newish folk group Brother Son, and they qualify as a sort of folk music supergroup. Pat Wichter, Joe Jenks, and Greg Greenway already had separate and successful careers in the folk genre. They each toured, recorded albums, and made a living in the music business. All three artists knew each other from the folk music circuit, and before long they realized that perhaps they could garner more attention as a band than as solo artists. Doing so meant changing, checking egos at the door and doing what bands do, which is sharing the spoils as well as the hard work of being in a band. By 2012, Brother Son has already established itself as a folk supergroup of sorts. One look at their calendar will tell you that they are booked months in advance. Score one for teamwork. Welcome to Independence Day, Brother Son. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you guys. And you guys are from pretty far away, so it's always nice to have people who aren't from here. We're doing that more and more on the show, and it's a fantastic thing. So uh, let's introduce everyone so we know the folks at home who are keeping score know who we're dealing with here. Let's start over here with you, Greg. Yeah, I'm Greg Greenway. I am uh, originally from Richmond, Virginia, but I'm really a product of the Boston area. So I've lived there for 20-some years. And you're still living based out of Boston now? Um, That's all debatable. <laughs> in negotiations, yeah, right? Let's just, yes. Let's just say yes for the simplicity. <clears throat> okay. Yes. All right. That's, that's good to know. All right. And you, sir, I know you. Uh, Joe Jenks here, uh, and I currently live in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Uh, and I've been on the road for about 13 years full time uh, yeah. as a singer-songwriter and the last two with, with, uh, with the trio. And for full disclosure, Joe and I go back a long ways. So he's, I'm going to try to not ask all the questions of Joe because he's actually already had his own show on uh, Independence Day. We had him on sometime very earlier this year. He was one of my first guests of this year when you came out to enjoy the California sunshine. So anyway, that's Joe Jenks. We love that guy. And next we have Mr. I'm Pat Wichter, and I'm based out of Brooklyn, New York. I've been in New York City for 23 years, but before that, I lived in Los Angeles, and I have a oh. long family history here and a lot of a lot of family and friends here. How old were you when you left L.A.? 23. Okay. So you were old enough to like know the sunshine and know the bikinis and know, know, what, you're, uh, know what you were getting out of. I don't want to overstate how many bikinis I actually knew. That would be misrepresenting my prowess in that area so you know man, I, I watched them from he, afar so. he does look good in one but yeah <laughs> yeah 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 i i, I don't want to i'm gonna leave that image right where it is so like the the cool thing about or one cool thing about having you guys on here you guys are a full-on folk group which is pretty cool because that's a it's something uh like the f word is something in music which is kind of separate and distinct from other things. And Joe and I have had lots of conversations about what it means in 2012. But any any guys can jump in with this. But what does it mean to you in 2012, like versus what it meant? You know, when you think of like the history of folk music, like uh, Woody Guthrie, uh, work songs, that kind of thing. Like, what does it mean now? Well, what it means now is there's a lot of people who, you know, folk has kind of popped into the national, you know, view 
under certain times, you know. And so a lot of people, when they think folk, they think Peter, Paul, and Mary, or they think, you know, a specific, very specific thing. But folk really is – it's more of a technological description than, than a musical description. It's really because it's kind of simple technically, and it's based on uh, acoustic instruments. But underneath that umbrella, it's a whole lot of different things. But uh, so what you do fight as a folk musician, you fight the sort of the, the general public's perception that, that folk is boring, old, and done, you know. And then what has happened since then is, is the folk world has formed itself into a kind of a, a network. You know, folk was really the first to latch onto the Internet. So we were a national genre beneath the radar of anybody. And so there are artists who, who really had followings and made nice livings and sold a lot of records having no exposure whatsoever on national radio. So that establishment became sort of what folk is uh, because that's the establishment of folk. Now, what we are is we're a combination of a whole lot of different things, and I think you'll see that. Um, and what's happened is a lot of really talented musicians – who have just been, you know, sent away from the big, the big time. You know, it just, just you touch the the big uh, monster up there. You know, pop music, and uh, and maybe don't like it. You know, and they come back. A lot of people have come. Really talented people have come back into acoustic music now, because it's embracing of all kinds of things. So you go to a festival now, you're not going to hear the same thing. You're going to hear a lot of different things. And I think we here, the three individuals here, represent three really different traditions that we've melded together to make something really kind of unique. So we kind of fight it on one hand, then there's an establishment that has embraced us, which we love. We love. But, you know, uh, we just always want to have the courage to just be ourselves. Yeah. Our, our, this is Pat here. Our, our genre is a big tent, and it's a big enough tent that the three of us can um, work together and create things in, in a very comfortable kind of way because m- most people in this genre are pretty omnivorous in their tastes that it's, um, you know, we, we all listen to all kinds of music. There's only two kinds. Um, so well, aside so, from country and western, of course. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I was thinking of something Duke Ellington said, which is that the, the, the only two kinds are good music and everything else. So that's <laughs> Joe. Do you have anything to add to this? Well, you know what happened. You know, folk had this moment in the late '60s and into the '70s, the singer-songwriter thing, and the James Taylors and the Carly Simons, and the you know that sort of blurred the boundaries between folk and pop. And then it was driven underground, and it seemed like the '80s and the early '90s were all about folk figuring out how to evolve its own sort of ecosystem. Um, so that we had our own agents, our own labels, our own room for indie artists to come through, our own industry conferences. You know, we just – a whole infrastructure emerged that was all around folk. Uh, and the folk scene now in the United States is more organized than it's ever been. Yeah. Uh, being forced underground kind of, kind of, you know – it it did what, in essence, being oppressed does to people, which is it forced people to organize and become really intentional. Are you and, part of the resistance? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, now, I mean, there's, there's concert series that run all over the country, and God love them. These people, you know, who have already worked hard all week show up at their local church or their local Grange Hall or their VFW or wherever they happen to be producing concerts. 
you know, and they come in hours before the musicians even get there, and they set up chairs and set up lights and mics and sound systems, and people are baking goods that they sell there, and there's it's just this this huge community production that happens, you know, anywhere from six or eight times a year to once a week, depending on the concert yeah. series, you know, and and it's all run by volunteers almost entirely, and you know, God love them, these people do all of this so that we can eke out a living from our art, yeah, you know, and it, it's it's tremendous that that many people are willing to give that much of themselves so that we can do what we do. And that's part of the difference, I think, between folk. And I think you see some of this in jazz. I think you see it some in blues. I think you see it in a number of roots genres where there just isn't enough money for a bunch of people to be making money off of it. And so people invest in the genre as a work of love. Yeah, And what an incredible place to work in. What an incredible environment in which to exist where so many people are giving so much just because they love the music. Yeah. We've met the finest people we've ever met through this music because precisely because that's why people show up. They, they are there because they love the music and they love the musicians. And there just isn't any other reason for people to show yeah. up. So. I think that like the splintering of the industry has kind of benefited. Like when I think of like folk music, I think of music of the people. Whatever that means, and I mean that that phrase means different things to different people. That can be ska, that can be reggae, right. that can be but rap, that's, that can but, be all kinds. Right, of but stuff. I guess what I'm saying is though, like the industry is kind of splintered, whereas like people used to make money like top down before, right. and now it's bottom up. Everybody's doing it on their own terms because they have no other choice. We're, they're all doing it right. because they love it, whatever the genre. And whereas before, you know, you it had to be like a very regimented thing with like concerts and venues and this and that, and now it's you know people. People in like people I know from like the rock world, if you call it that, you know, there was I was always a folky, rocky guy anyway, but they're just playing quieter and they're playing in people's houses instead of playing at the bar. And I'd, we'd kind of prefer to do that anyway because it's right. loud at the bar and you don't start till one in the morning. And who on earth can stay up until two in the morning to watch a band play? I can't do that. <laughs> anyway, let's use that as a little break. Can't I want to even start until two. In New I York. know it's absurd. <laughs> I know, I know, it's ridiculous. Let's listen a little bit. You guys have one record out so far. You're going to be in the studio next month working on your follow up to this. But this is your eponymous. I love saying that word. Yes, it is your is your eponymous first disc. Came out just last year, just about a year ago. Um, and how is this selling? It's done really well for an indie record. Yeah, it's done really well. You know, just just us traveling around doing shows. I think we. We've moved through, you know, something like 5,000 records yeah. over the span of, uh, you know, in addition to the, the stuff from our solo catalogs that right. we sell at shows and other stuff. And yeah, I yeah. Think for a touring, you know, modern folk group to, to rip through 5,000 records over the span of 12 yeah. months is fantastic. You know, man, the, the math has changed. You know, at one point, you know, saying 5,000 records, and I guess for maybe the big labels, you know, they're walking around like dinosaurs. The meteors hit, but they're not dead yet, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're they're like walking around, and you know they're, they're the smart labels like there's a it's a label called Network N E T T W E R K and they've morphed like they're not just a record label yeah. now they're a management company East West or like New West uh, Lost Highway there's like these little labels who are doing some really cool things but they've morphed into being more than just a bank with really bad terms that gives money to musicians yeah, exactly. you know can you spell recoupable yeah can you spell yeah. recoupable no because you have to put a dollar sign in there somewhere. <laughs> Um, but so, you know, whereas before, like saying that you sold 5,000 units would be kind of embarrassing, but now it is not the case at all. Like well, that's a, that's an no. achievement now. That's something to be proud of. It's, it's an achievement. And the terms on which we do it, the financial terms, 5,000 units in which we keep 
almost all of that right. for ourselves. I mean, we just that's we, yeah. that's pretty darn good. Yeah, yeah. you know, we we, we get to decide what we do with the surplus from that. We get to make all the artistic decisions. Our independence, if you will, um, is you know not compromised one bit. Right. So we we haven't had to give up anything. Yeah. To sell five thousand units of this. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of this, and we'll come back. I want to talk more about what it's like to be independent in twenty twelve. So this is a track. It's called Shine, and this is from the brand. Well, not brand, but a year old record with Brother Son uh, and the three guys. I'm very happy to have all of them here in our studio tonight. So let's listen to this. This is Shine from Brother Son and Independence Day. When I left Chicago, there were storm clouds above, headed for the city of brotherly love. Ain't no time for misery, and there ain't no time for pain, just the humming of the engine, and the music running through my veins, you know we got to shine. Calling of the highway Dancing in his head No, he died way too young But I remember what he said He said, sometimes you throw the dice And you just gotta take your lot But you hold on to the things you love And you give them everything you got to shine, 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 shine that light. Can't keep it buried deep within. Gonna need it on the darkest night. You know we got to shine, 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 shine that light. Shine, 
Brother Son, Independence Day. Hey, guys, I'm so happy to have you here from far afield. You're complaining about how late it is here in California, but it's not that late. No. It's not too late. You guys aren't like that old. From no. The love of Pete. <laughs> Man, he only came from the East Coast like he came from France or something. <laughs> anyway, all right, well, I'm very happy. Pat Wichter, Joe Jenks, Greg, Green- Greg Greenway, I'm very happy to have all three of you guys here. You guys are like a folk supergroup of sorts. You know, and by that I mean you all had very definitive, kind of long-running careers. You know, in music, making a living at it full time. And Mike, I want to find out like who you guys knew each other from the folk circuit. You'd see each other at shows. You'd do, you'd play together. I don't know exactly what you did, concert, uh, conferences, that kind of thing. Who approached who to say, "Hey, I've got this idea to do this"? Like, who was the progenitor of this whole thing, or who's the guilty party? Well, it was definitely Pat Wichter. It was definitely Pat Wichter. <laughs> okay, Pat. We, Pat, Pat and I had known each other for many years, and we had bandied about the idea of doing something, a jam band or a something, or a, something together and talked about it on and off for maybe three or four years casually. Uh, but in the summer of 2009, we ended up at a, at a festival together in Virginia. Pat was doing a set, um, and Greg and I were there. We sat in with him, and there's just kind of this little magic that happened, you know, vocally uh just this ripple went through the room and we're all like yeah that's pretty happening and then you know we all had gigs and engagements and family and you know it kind of pat gave us a call that fall and said so how about that yeah i mean we rehearsed for an hour this is pat um we rehearsed for an hour we went on stage and it was outstanding it was uh, (laughs) i hadn't had that kind of experience with two other people just making music so swiftly that sounded so good and um and the audience knew it the audience knew something special had taken place it was just one of these great things and i i felt it we all three of us felt it and uh it just felt like it would be um leaving something really you know wonderful behind if we didn't pursue it so um so, and yeah, how, diffi- cool. how difficult was it for, let me start with you, Greg. How difficult was it to make the switch from being a solo artist? Because it's a whole different thing. Having played in a million bands and played a bunch of solo sure. shows myself, like, it's, it's, a diff- it's a very different beast. And like, what, what, did you, what was the biggest challenge for you when you approached this, this Well, way? I mean, I have a particular viewpoint in this group from, from, that, from the standpoint of I had always been the songwriter and I'm the least trained of us. So I didn't spend any time singing in choirs. I didn't sing harmony with anyone. So for me to suddenly step into this this group where we're doing really close harmony, really tight stuff, it was a it was a leap for me because I'd always you know considered myself really a writer first, and then I had you know if I did that well enough, there'd be other people singing with me, and they would make it work, you know, and I'd have ideas about that, but I never had to do that myself. So this was another step for me in terms of musical development. I started playing piano because that is the musical that that's the graphic depiction of the musical scale sitting right in front of you. So all the things I resisted early in my career about learning things, you know, um, I have come back to. So so from this just that, that pure standpoint, I mean these guys are just you know ear wise were just 
light years ahead of me. And so I had to catch up, you know, I had to really work hard to catch up. And, and so it's, it's really like, uh, you know, like, um, you just have to learn the other, uh, the other side of the coin, you know, and, uh, that's been great. It's been really fabulous to be able to do that. And uh, I guess from that, just from the pure musical standpoint, that was the biggest challenge for me. And the other thing, of course, is, is that, um, you know, at the point when we got together, I felt like my, my live show, my personal show, was getting really darn good. And I was getting a really great response. I had new songs that were, you know, really powerful to me. And then to suddenly kind of stop that and then shift the power over and let everybody, you know, you know what I mean? So, like, you feel like, I feel like I had my, 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 my foot on a good pedal at that moment. But the thing was is that these guys are so, they're such, not only are they just really terrific musicians, but great human beings. And that really appealed to me in a big way. So I felt like there's so much to be gained from this. Yeah. That, you know, that you just have to jump out of that, that suit that you, you put on to be the solo, to be the, the yeah. focal point. Yeah. And, it's, and it's turned out to be just a tremendous gain. Yeah. Joe, tell me what you got out of the deal. Like he talked about kind of what he was risking, like from your perspective, like what did you get? Uh, all kinds of things, both personally and musically. It's, it's, it's huge. You know, I, after 10 years full time on the road and, uh, seven records and, you know, having played from people's living rooms to Carnegie Hall, you know, I mean, just having run the gamut of places where a human being can make music and feel good about it. Um, I was feeling a little burned out in truth. I was I, I, like some part of my consciousness was like, wow, is there anything else I could do to make a living and not run myself ragged in the way that I am, you know, continuing to do this. And I was just on the cusp of, of trying to think about, you know, not so much financially because I had sort of figured that out, but just internally, I was just, just burned out. You know, it, it, my guitar cases felt a lot heavier than they had 10 years earlier. And, um, and we started making music together, and I realized what I had been yearning for was the opportunity to create something that was bigger than what I could create as a soloist. You know, to be a part of something that was expansive, that was more than the sum of its parts, that was, you know, really engaged. And uh, I love really good, tight three-part harmony. Grew up singing with my family, and um, oddly enough, harmony is the only thing that had never really been a part of my professional life. All the other things that I had done musically, I'd found ways to incorporate, but it was always as a soloist or leading a band of you know side guys that I had hired. And to be an integral part of the fabric of something that is just beyond yourself um, is great. It's great musically. We push each other's boundaries. We, you know... I mean, Pat, you know, it was one of the moments when I felt like Pat and I had something to learn from each other um, is when we were working on harmonies for one of Pat's solo records. And he's like, no, 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 I really want you to sing that, like, just totally wail it, totally belt it. And I was like, it's going to be loud. He's like, yeah, I know. And I ended up standing about seven feet back from the microphone and just letting loose, just howling. He's like, yeah, that's what I was looking for. You know, <laughs> that was like, you know, yeah. like, that's not a voice that I use in a solo show. Yeah. I you think know, it's really, uh, you know, and it was just, it was just great, you know. And you, you and I have known each other for years, and you've always been a band guy, and I've always been a soloist. And this, you know, you've talked to me for years about the value of a really great band and what you know the kind of integral process that you engage in. And uh, I don't think I really understood that until about a year ago, once yeah. we really had gotten past the awkwardness of like, oh, yeah, we're yeah. trying to make music together, and we really started becoming 
an ensemble. Yeah, it's well, it's it's like a force multiplier to use like a weird military term. Like the 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 whole is really actually greater than the sum of the parts. Like you give up some of your ego, you give up some of your control, give up some of your influence, but what you get back, I think, is so valuable and so much more powerful. Like it, it's it just tips the scale so far the other way. And of course, there's BS that goes with it too, but. There's BS in everything, so you, but you get so much good that it just outweighs it. I think it's a really, uh, it's just, it's worth it. I guess is what I'm saying. I think one of the things, this is Pat. One of the things Greg was talking about is that that this is an environment that has made us all stretch as musicians. We've all become more complete and more capable as musicians in this um, in this ensemble, and it's just been this great experience because we're all we're all stretching each other and pushing each other and opening each other's minds and capabilities to new ways of doing things. And I just think that's marvelous. It's, yeah. That's that's much harder to do as a soloist. People do it. People grow and develop as solo artists over the course of their careers. But there's nothing like having to get up every day and to hold your own with two really fantastic musicians. That really, that's a, that's something I've been looking for yeah. um, for years. And to do it with these two fellows has just been a real joy. Yeah. And I'm a much better musician for it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, fun it's to step voice. into that role when you're used to being the front man. Whether you're the front man, like when I played, like it was like I was always the singer. So like I had me and then the band, right? I always wanted to have like another guy in the band. Like I always wanted a band like the Beatles where there was more than one writer, where I felt like we could complement each other. But I never found that, at least not yet. I guess the show's not over. But so in my thing, like stepping out of that role of being the focal point and playing with someone else was something I love doing. And it's you have to like put on a different hat or like put on a different filter or change something about your psyche to play complementary to someone else's music. And I, I love doing that. And I think it's... I mean, I've watched Joe. I've watched you grow in the last year doing this, and it's it's. I, I can see that you're re-energized at doing this. So I think it's. A, I mean, the mutual admiration society's in session. Uh, <laughs> it's a great thing. So let's let's hear what this sounds like. You guys are. You guys got a tune for us, surely, right? Mm-hmm. What's this going to be? This is called "Everybody's Crying Mercy" by Mr. Mose Allison. All right. <laughs> can't believe the things I'm seeing I thought about some things I heard Everybody's crying mercy When they don't know the meaning of the word It's a bad enough situation Sure enough, getting worse. Everybody's crying just as, just as long as it's business first. Toe to toe, touch and go. Give a cheer, get your souvenir. Everybody's running round in circles Don't know what they're headed for Everybody's crying 
Gentlemen, brother, son, that's installment number one. I hope to get to several more of these songs before the night is out. It sounds so cool, and it's so much fun to hear, you know, like, again, three accomplished musicians who are kind of checking their ego a little bit, and or maybe a lot, and doing something that kind of contributes to a greater whole, you know? And I, I love, like, again, Joe referenced this a second ago, like the band versus the solo thing. Like, I... Sure, I like playing solo shows, but I get bored pretty quick when it's just me. Like maybe it's just because I get bored with myself. But I, yeah, I love having the texture of more than one person and background vocals. You know, you guys are strapping up a bunch of instruments here for the second tune, and I can't wait to hear what this is all about. Let's talk about some other stuff before we dive into this. Is one other thing I want. This is Joe, um, uh, Joe Jenks. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention. You know, the kind of harmonies that we arranged on that Mose Allison piece. Like I haven't done harmonies that juicy since I was in Doctor Wiedenhofer's vocal jazz thing. You know, in college. <laughs> I mean, like you know, it's been it's been twenty years, fifteen years since since I've even approached singing stuff like that. And that's part of the joy of what we're doing is that you know we all come musically from different angles. A little more traditional folk, a little more blues, a little more pop and R&B or gospel, you know, wherever we sort of draw, whatever camps we draw from, we found just a really fertile ground blending all of that together. And when it comes to arranging something like that, like you guys each bring something different to the table. Like, so how for a song like that, for example, like, you know, uh, Pat, you, I'm assuming you bring the song because it's your song. You're singing lead on that. That's like the Beatles thing. Like this song is Pat's song. Um then what is it that makes you decide? Because there was just one instrument and a lead vocal, and then you guys only sang what's essentially a cappella vocals along with that. Like, who decides? Do you try different things? Like, do you try hammering out different oh, yeah. things? And I mean, it's, but it's a lot of trial and error and deciding. You know, collectively, it's you know, we we try stuff, and then usually. You know, none of us are feeling it, or all of us are feeling it, and then it's a rare instance where one of us is feeling it and the others aren't. Usually, okay. there's there's this moment where everybody goes, "Ah, that sounds like brother." Yeah, Sam. there's okay. the magic. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, and then, how much, uh, you know, when those rare moments happen, like how much of a democracy is it? I mean, there's three of you, um, but you live in different places. So, I mean, that may complicate yeah. things just a little bit. Um, you know, if, if there's a dispute about X, Y, or Z, like how do you resolve it? We we have a very unique chemistry in that each of us are the youngest kid in our family. And it, you would think that the number three usually is terrible for humans. You know, that two are going to uh, always gang up on one. But what happens is we each have this kind of natural tendency that if there's any friction between any of the two of us, the other person almost immediately becomes the mediator. Okay. You know, it's like it's it's just it's just kind of like it just happened. There's several several things that have happened just just by our natural chemistry that have made life really really you know great. But uh, I think that's one of the things is that we just so believe in uh, each other's talent 
that that's really critical. You know, I think we do it. We so respect each other's talent that, uh, you know, and take joy in what each other does, you know, that in any moment in the show, if somebody's shining, it's not like, oh, geez, you know, I'm not in the spotlight. No, it's like, man, listen to that. Yeah. Yeah. Check yeah. that guy out. Well, <laughs> you know, just, just, you know, so like, uh, this is Joe again, um, you know, a, a disagreement on, on a harmony line on an arrangement, for instance, will it'd be like, fine, well, just, just let's try it once this way or let's try it that way let's hear it let's not dismiss an idea before we've actually tried it having tried it we'll go yeah you're right that totally is awful you know let's not do that but you have to have the satisfaction of actually hearing it first or we'll say oh i never thought of it that way that sounds great yeah, yeah, there, yeah. Was, there, was, there was a line on one of greg's songs trouble that we're gonna do this evening that that i just really advocated for because there was a particular place toward the end of the song where i wanted to hear a specific chord uh, and uh, to this day, I don't actually know whether they bought into the idea that that was brilliant or it was just okay. But they're like, fine, if that's important to you, we can do that. Yeah. We can do that chord. Yeah. If, it, if it's that chord or one of two or three other chords that, that are all closely related. There's only 12 notes, Joe. Well, yeah, you know, but it's, I mean, <laughs> you, you can, you know, not, yeah, but, you know, there's, I mean, there's just a lot of give and take on like, well, fine, if that's, you know, if that's important to you, then then fine, we can do that, you know. Yeah. yeah oftentimes, uh, you know, disagreements are, you, you know, we'll have asymmetrical positions. One person will feel strongly, and the other person will be like, "Well, I don't feel that strongly about it." So let's try doing it this way. You know, so you guys are so boring. I want to hear about like Ray and Dave Davies with like fist fights. Like, no, that has to be an augmented chord. There, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> anyway, you guys, you guys are grown ups, and I think that's a that's, that's, that's a cool thing. I, I, I say this in jest, but like, it, it just seems to work. Yeah, well, Pat and I had a great moment um, this this year, this spring. We're out in Washington State. And um, it was a night where they normally start out with a poet and then have a band or a musician. Uh, and Greg is a wonderful poet. Uh, and <laughs> he sort of pitched him on the idea that he would start out the evening with poetry. And Pat and I sat on the sidelines while he delivered 20 minutes of spoken word and poetry. And like our jaws were slack. We're like... Holy cow! That dude's our bandmate. Yeah, you know, like, I mean, like it was. Yeah. You know, it was we, just, we wanted his autograph afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, like, it, it, it was phenomenal. You know, and when you realize that you, whatever we bring to the table, it's still the tip of the iceberg. You know, in terms yeah. of the life experience that we all have, and it, it's just wonderful when you have those snapshot moments and you realize that the guys you're playing with are capable of all kinds of things that you haven't even begun to comprehend as an ensemble. Yeah, and that, that bodes well for your future because you're not ter- terribly far into this project. So yeah. there's a lot more under the water, a lot more ice to get at, yeah. and I think that's really cool. So, Mas yeah. Music, Mas Musica. What's this, guys? This is called Trouble. Sky is so blue, you get lost in the looking leaves. 
Sometimes it's in your wallet Sometimes it's in your bed When the sky is so blue You get lost in a look at you leave these earthly chains Trouble I see you coming And I'm right back at the bottom again That's right Victor, Joe Jenks, Greg Greenway, together they make the band Brother Son, and so happy to say that they are a band. Do you guys consider yourselves a band or a group or an act? Yeah, what are you? We're an autonomous collective. <laughs> an anar- you know what you're, you're an anarcho-syndicalist <laughs> collective. Right. Decisions of purely internal matters are determined by a two-thirds majority. Exactly. <laughs> Which we always have, because there are only three of us. <laughs> Old old woman, man, old man. I didn't vote for you. I'm not old. 
I can't just call you man. Anyway. <laughs> call me Dennis. <laughs> didn't know you were called Dennis. We could go all night with this. Yes, I'm we gonna, could. I could, yes, did you? With these guys, I, I, and myself, in this room, I could. we could probably just recite the rest of the movie, which That's would right. eat up the rest of our show. Uh, all, all hail Monty Python. Fantastic. So yes. excellent work, guys. That's great. People can learn about you. Brothersonmusic.com is the main internet portal mm, site yes. for everything. And there's a lot of concert dates on there, photographs. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Anything you need to know about the band is on there. And that also links to your separate sites as well. Because you guys still go out and do solo shows. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. And, and all of our expansive free time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's also <laughs> something to mention too that there is a, a video of us. One of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to put a video up of us just standing around a microphone and singing. You know, uh, because, you know, studio makes everybody sound like great harmony trickery yeah so we just wanted people it's been such a great sales tool to send people to that because they see exactly what they're getting yeah i, I watched that video myself when i was prepping for this so good work gentlemen uh i wanted to talk about one thing that i want to get to the next song pretty quickly here um when you were putting the record together it came out just about a year ago you know you guys have again you've had extensive solo careers like, how did you go about picking the material for that record? Was it culled? Were they new versions of solo songs you guys had already done on other records? Was it new arrangements of stuff? Was it entirely new songs? Like, what did you all bring to the table for that first record a year ago? All of the above. Yeah. Okay. All of the above. Delineate yeah. it for me. Like, what? Like what? Who about equal? What? About equal parts. Okay. I think. I think. Uh, you know. Um, older you know songs from our solo repertoire that we brought into the trio and rearranged and made fresh uh stuff that we you know uh, had written specifically for the trio you know we all started writing um once we had a sense of what our sound was i think we all started to then think about how to write and how to arrange yeah. for this configuration that definitely happens in a band like when you write new material like you kind of cater things like, okay, well, this will work with that. Or there's a song that may be malleable enough to kind of put into that framework, that arrangement and other stuff. You know, I've written songs that I, there's no way I would play with the band I was playing with. I'd actually rather just, I'd rather give them to like a female artist because I feel like it just falls terribly in my range. But it's every, it's different with every song, with every band. So they just kind of find what works and go with it, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. All right, cool. Another song? Sure. What's this going to be, boys? So the instrument, this is Joe, the instrument I'm playing here is a bazooki. Uh, and the song's called Lady of the Harbor. And um, uh, as we're heading into an election season, it seems just really important to... Heading kinda, into, Joe? Yeah. This has been like a three-year <laughs> election season, especially if you're a Republican. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, as we head into the final home stretch here, um, you know, it's just really important to keep the issues alive. And uh, one of the, I mean, like the, the giant, you know, 800-pound gorilla in the corner that everybody's kind of not talking about is the issue of immigration and all kinds of promises that the left are making to people in the immigrant community and all kinds of threats that people on the right are making and, and promises at the same time. And, you know, there's just... It, and at the same time, nobody's really talking about it. And I started to think a couple of years ago, you know, how would the conversation be different if the Statue of Liberty was not sitting out in New York Harbor, but, you know, was on the California-Mexico border? Right. You know, what if there was something there that acknowledged the Bracero program, that acknowledged the guest worker programs that have existed over the course of most of the last century? 
you know, and talked about the profound and tremendous contribution that immigrants have made, not just to the state of California, but to our nation as a whole. And uh, yeah, somewhere in the midst of all that, this song emerged. It's called Lady of the Harbor. Distant lands, the tempest tossed with hopeful hearts and calloused hands, reach toward the light, a torch held high, and cast their gaze upon the lady of the harbor, and she welcomes them with the And Ireland, their earthly cares packed in their bags, they cast their gaze upon the lady of the harbor, and she welcomed them with open eyes. She said, have a chance to learn its sweet refrain or will we fall into our fears and turn our backs against the lady of the harbor and she welcomes them with open eyes she says let my children Shine on, shine. 
Beautiful work, gentlemen. Sounds great. And I love to be able to use the word beautiful because that's something I think it's it's kind of lacking in pop music is the idea of beauty or the idea of like being able to be beautiful because you think of beauty as being a feminine thing. And to allow music to be beautiful is something that I think it's courageous to do. Do you agree? Well, in, in this day and time where, where music is greatly made to produce an effect, um, then the criterion has, you know, has been moved away from the idea of beauty. It's, you know, it's about sales. And so just like everything else, you know, it's all studied and, you know, um, and committed and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you're right. And it's just hard. It's hard to find it. The, you know, I mean, I, that's why I find the whole genre of jazz so so brave. You know, um, that's uh, it's America's gift to the world, and most Americans don't get it. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah. yeah, I feel like um, we've we we live in like a, a I refer to it as like a, a rhythmic age. Like our popular music is very rhythmic. You know, rap has kind of rap hip hop has kind of taken over from rock as like the music of the oppressed. You know, like if you thought of rock back yeah. in the 50s, like being the yeah. music of like the youth of like right. trying to break away, you know, right. and from the older generations. And now that's been, you know, poor black kids, you know, rock and roll. Now it's a different thing. Now it's hip hop and rap. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's not artistically valid, but it is rhythmic by nature because there may or may not be a melody or if a melody comes in, it'll be in the chorus. You know, and someone else, other than the person who's like rapping the top, the, the main part of the song, will won't be singing that melody. Generally speaking, um, so I, I, I'm so fond of music that embraces melody, embraces embraces beauty, and makes that its stock and trade. You know, so good work again. Mutual oh, admiration society <clears throat> is in session. And if you're keeping track, by the way, I looked it up. I actually have an app on my phone. We are exactly 75 days from election day. Wow, two months, 14 days. And as much wow. as I love this stuff. Like I'm a political junkie. I can't wait till it's over. <laughs> <laughs> if only because it's been going on forever. I'm tired of it. You know, it's like I love it. I love politics. I read it every day. I've got a million different news sites I check every day. I work in the news business. I love it, but I'm tired of it, man. I want something else? Well, it's you know, the my own feeling on this is you know the 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 problem with the news is that it's the applause of the day. And I think one of the wonderful things that beautiful music can remind us of is that there is a longer arc of human endeavor and creativity. That, you know, a great song is, is you know, valid for all time. A great piece of music is valid forever. And when you hear music that <clears throat> rises to that level, it really just reminds us, oh, this day-to-day stuff, you know, of who said what and who's, you know, who's mad at whom and who's, you know, polling better today. All of that stuff, I think, recedes in importance when you stand in the presence of something that's yeah. valid for all time. Yeah, music is, I feel like it's, it's the balm we put on, like the beautiful drudgery that is, that is life. You know, you can get all Zen with it if you want, but like music and art are the things that we kind of put on it to make it better, to make it easier, to make it livable, you know? No, there's, this is Greg. There is so much stimulus, you know, in our life now. I mean, if you, if you go back a hundred years and just, you know, take the just sheer go back stimulus. 20. It were true. <laughs> but the sheer amount of stimulus there is now 
it's like it, it's reduced all music to like the sound of crickets, you know. And so like everybody, everybody has to do something extraordinary, loud or different or weird to get your attention because there's just so many crickets. So yeah. what do you do with you know who takes the time to be beautiful? I mean, we all mix records. What is the last phase of mixing records? You put it on a disc and you go get in your car and play it over the hum of an engine. So that right away, you know, you've you've taken another layer of attention and and so it's it's like who sits down in a quiet space and listens to music? There's one just, person raising just, his arm. I just in this raised room. my hand. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Part of that actually, like I, I'm a, I'm becoming an evangelist for this. Like I've become a vinyl guy. Because vinyl records are an experience. Like when I put on yeah. a vinyl record, because it takes work, I have more respect for the process. And I have to actually physically put the needle on the record, close the lid, and then I sit back and I listen. Yeah. It's be- I think it's because like, you know, everything's on your phone, your iPod. It's like it's instantaneous, you know, hundreds and hundreds yeah. and hundreds of records into something tiny, tiny, tiny. Yeah, it's compressed. And, yeah. And when you do this with the vinyl thing, like it's, it's, it's such a physical, involved human analog process that like that's made me a better listener and i like that you know like yeah. i because you can't like you know what i i won't i won't put an album on when i say an album i mean a vinyl disc when i'm washing the dishes because there might be three songs in a side and i'm not going to want to take off my gloves or dry off or whatever and go <laughs> flip the record in 20 minutes i'll play a cd or i'll play my ipod but if i'm listening i'm listening i'll go i'll go that route and that's it's really given value to music to me I loved in the 90s when uh, Tom Petty had his little homage yeah. to the, the, the demise of the record album as it was. it was. I think it was in the middle of Full Moon Fever. Halfway through, you just hear these footsteps and you hear Tom Petty saying, hey, thanks for coming to my record. Yeah. Uh, in a traditional record, this would be the moment when you would lift the needle, turn the record over, place the needle on side B, then go sit back down on the couch and listen. Yeah. You know, it was just this little kind of track in the middle of the CD, and I just thought it was brilliant. I, I honestly, I think Tom Petty is part of our like he's kind of our moral like compass. He's you know, a folk when it comes hero. To music. I mean, yeah. even though he's a straight up rock and roller, he is a serious folk hero. Yeah, I think in the music world. Yeah, he's he's a modern. He's a little modern Woody Guthrie. He's a, he's he's a troubadour in that respect. You know, maybe a little louder, but not that much louder. Anyway, more music. What do you guys got for us? You got another tune? Yeah. What's it going to be? Tell us about this let's, a little let's, bit. Let's do an acapella piece. Yeah, I like uh, acapella. Part, part of part of how we came together was just the the sound of our voices singing, and this is uh, this is one that Pat wrote. What's the name of this tune? Ooh, this is called "Love Is the Water." And Pat, tell me just a little bit about this before we do it. Um, this is a song that I was driving on the New Jersey Turnpike in a torrential rainstorm. And the song came to me all in one gulp, and I had to pull over and write it down. And um, it <clears throat> was sort of the metaphor of the power of of love, um, like a force in nature. So. You say your heart's been turned to stone You say you want to be left alone You say love only made you weep and moan Let me tell you something that you know in your bones Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the power that won't be stopped 
Love is the water that wears down the rock. Souls like a dry riverbed Stopped waiting for the water long ago You said you better pray all night For the rain instead Love comes like a tidal wave over your head Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the power that won't be stopped Love is the water that wears down the rock You say waiting for love takes too long Does a sharp mind weakens a strong Well, you may be right, but you may be wrong Cause love can make a mountain come tumbling down Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the power that won't be stopped Love is the water that wears down the rock River washes over every woman and man Feet in the gravel and mud in your hands Nothing can stand against love's command Every boulder turns into a grain of sand Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the power that won't be stopped Love is the water that wears down the rock I said love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the water that wears down the rock Love is the power that won't be stopped Love is the water that wears down the Pat Wichter, Joe Jenks, Greg Greenway. Very, very nice, gentlemen. And you, that is the unique distinction of being the first a cappella song to appear on Independence Day. I love it. Wow. I, I come up from a rich tradition of a cappella music. It's always been my favorite music uh, of all like classical genres to lump them all together, like symphonic music, string quartets, orchestral stuff. A cappella was always my favorite. And as always, uh, Rachmaninoff is my favorite because he writes the rest parts for basses, best parts for basses, mm. which of course is my part. So talking, we're talking guttural low B flats below the staff, man. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Do you guys uh, did you score that to do that, or did you just kind of do that like oral tradition? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did. How about, it. Yeah, how about let's skip straight to another tune? I want to get some more stuff in before we run out of time here. Maybe got time for like one or two more, and then we'll be done. And while you're tuning, like one of you jump in here. I'm kind of curious, what did you guys do? Just each kind of give, give, give a short answer if you would. Like, what were you doing before you were full time music? Like, what was your last what was your last gig? Like, did you work at like Dairy Queen or? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was a high school teacher in New York City. 
Okay. And Teaching, taught, just, just general classes? Teach, I, I taught uh, global studies and English mixed together in a small public school that gave me a lot of latitude to be very innovative. And so cool. I, I integrated a lot of um, music and theater and film and poetry and all kinds of stuff into my yeah. classes. Very nice. Greg, how about you? Yeah, I was a graphic artist at a CD replication place. Okay. Interesting. Joe? Uh, I was in grad school uh, studying choral conducting. Uh, and then I just knew that I really wanted to be on the road and uh, jumped out of grad school, drove school bus for six months till I found something better, worked that gig for about a year and a half till I'd saved up enough money to take a flying leap off the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? It was, yeah, it was kind of, I mean, I was, I was working in the marine industry um, where I was like, I spent a lot of the day on the telephone. I spent a lot of time sort of serving clients, dealing with inventory management, driving out to Sexy meet stuff, people man. where they Sexy are. Um, and, I, and I dreamed of the day when I would be a full-time touring musician, only to find out that as a full-time touring musician, <laughs> you spend a lot of the day on the telephone dealing yeah. with clients, doing inventory management, driving, driving. a lot of places. You know, like yeah. I was like, man, this doesn't look so different as I thought it would. Yeah. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. All right, so what's this What's this song? This is called In the Name of Love, and it's uh, it ends up in the U2 song Pride in the Name of Love. Um, it uh, it happened organically. Um, I was uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, at the Folk Alliance uh, conference, and somebody said, "You know, before you leave Memphis, you got to go see the Civil National Civil Rights Museum." And I went, and it's uh, it's the transformed Lorraine Motel, the place where Martin Luther King was assassinated. And I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. Um, there was a civil rights movement going on all around me, but nobody talked about it. Nobody in my neighborhood talked about it. Let's just put it that way. So to go to that place um, was a real, uh, it was like, it's a time capsule. And uh, uh, that night we were supposed to sing, two buddies of mine were supposed to sing, and uh, we were just, after we everybody went to the museum, we just were just drained and filled up with what we'd just seen. So kind of the magic of music is being able to express the unexpressible. And so we did U2's song, In the Name of Love, that night. And the whole conference had had the same experience. So it was just this amazing thing of just letting that energy out. And so the next year I spent writing this, uh, the kind of song that leads up to the song. Um, that just uh, that tries to put me in that picture. And I guess it's this way. Um, when uh, on April 4th, uh, 1968, when King was announced that King that was dead, the first person who walked past me said, um, yeah, he wasn't anything but a troublemaker. So this song celebrates all the great troublemakers. One, two, three. When I get tired It's like I was dropped into the sea You could swim your whole life Be nowhere you want to be Everyone gets tired And the water is so wide well, 
Then somebody comes and shows you They show you There was a little man Barefoot and frail He took a walk down to the Ganges He took a lion by the tail He made a way out of nowhere One by one they saw the truth He was ready when they told him They said History chooses you We see so far In the name of love We are standing on In the name of love The shoulders of giants One more In the name of love And then there was another Another lion in a land He walked into the heart of darkness Into the streets of Birmingham He made a way out of nowhere One by one we saw the truth He was already on the mountaintop They said Memphis chooses you We see so far Standing on in the name of love, the shoulders of giants. One more in the name of Shots rang out in the Memphis sky Free at last, they took your life They could not take your pride In the name of love One more in the name of love In the Make a way out of nowhere Make their stories live and breathe And we will never lack for heroes 
darkest hour of need. Extremely inspirational, gentlemen. Very, very cool. Great idea for a song. Great, great way to incorporate something that's like someone else's work, the, you know, the, the, the very popular anthemic U2 song, but yet kind of bring it into your space and bring it into something that's it's something other than what it is. Like It's a cool way to do a mashup. That's a phrase we hear a lot in 2012 is like taking other people's work and recombining it into something new. And what a cool way to do that. So I, I thank you. You're certainly welcome. Good work. So you guys have got some shows. You're out here doing some shows in California, but by the time this airs, they'll all be done. So I'm assuming they all went splendidly, and you made thousands upon thousands of dollars. <laughs> dozens. <laughs> dozens of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm, I mean, honestly, though, I'm, I'm glad you're here. You know, California, we, this is a rich tradition of this kind of music in California. Oh, yeah. uh, and I love, we love having you guys out here. I uh, love playing these shows. The next show after these shows, it's actually September, the Kerrville Music Festival in Kerrville, Texas, which is, I know, it's kind of a big deal. So I'm happy to see you guys are doing that. Um, and uh, again, Brother Son Music is the best place to learn about anything else. Anything you guys have a Twitter feed or anything you want to talk about? We do. We have a Twitter account. Not that we spent a whole lot of time there, but you know, <laughs> but it exists. It exists. You know it what? Exists. You know what the handle is? Brother I think Sun it's music. Brother Sun Music. Yeah, yeah. Brother S U N Music. Oh yeah, we never did make that Twitter. distinction, did so, we? Yeah, and Brother yeah. S U N, and that's true for the website too. So. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough. Thank you to Pat, Joe, and Greg from Brother Sun. Also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski. Also, as always, to Valentino Rivera from Lancer Radio. Independence Day themed music was composed by the inimitable Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.